Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Jody Eleanor, who is an anxiety expert extraordinaire. Extra, extraordinaire, people. Spell that three times in a row. Uh, who helps women heal anxiety holistically so they can spend more time enjoying life and less time fearing it. Oh, yeah. About a program, Holistic Anxiety Fix is a holistic healing service that focuses on helping women to heal anxiety so that they can embrace life with calm confidence. Oh, I need some of that right there. Uh, the program integrates more traditional therapeutic approaches for healing anxiety with modern functional medicine approaches for a truly mind-body experience to healing. Welcome to the podcast, Jody Eleanor. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, now, Jody's already informed me that there might be some kids running around in the background. We don't know if it's her kids or whose kids it is, but uh, just notice that there, there might be some uh, joy being heard in the background. Thank you. Hopefully, hopefully they keep it to a minimum here. Uh, so I, I typically when people are on and and their focus is like anxiety or depression or suicidality, they themselves have had some experience with anxiety or the thing that they are trying to help others with. What's your, what's your experience with anxiety? Yeah, I would say your perception is pretty accurate. Um, my own journey to anxiety got me to help other women with anxiety. So it's a pretty intense journey. Uh, we'd probably need about four hours to go through it all. Um, but I'll give you the Coles Notes version. Um, so for me, my anxiety started about five to seven years after some pretty significant gut issues. And I assumed at the time that it was just related to ongoing chronic gut health. And so it got to the point where I was having, you know, panic attacks to shows like MasterChef, which was, I mean, pretty weird to me because I could watch MasterChef three years earlier and it was exciting, but I wasn't having a panic attack to it. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting on my couch with my heart racing and I can't breathe. And I'm like, what is going on here? Um, and then it also was a struggle for me to drive across the city to see friends. I was having trouble working, working out was a struggle. So all of a sudden I went from, you know, I was managing to, I really couldn't function at all. And it, and it came pretty quick for me. So, so this is where I started to get into deeper levels of healing with my own journey, because, um, the traditional ways that, you know, people address anxiety wasn't working for me. And, and so can you talk to us about what the traditional ways of treating anxiety that weren't working for you? Because so many people are, you know, going down these rabbit holes of trying to treat their own anxiety and are probably, you know, coming up short as, as you felt you did, what were some of the traditional methods that you used that didn't seem to be effective for you? Yeah. I mean, I hear this a lot too, from women that I speak to about what they're trying. So the, the common ones are uh, mindfulness practice, and this isn't to dismiss that practice. Like, I think it's a great practice, but sometimes you reach a certain level of anxiety, especially if your body's really off where you're doing mindfulness but you feel more anxious because you're like, oh my gosh, is this the state my body's in? Um, and so sometimes it doesn't help for people. And that was the case for me. Like I'd done 
a mindfulness brace stress reduction program a couple of years before my anxiety hit. And it was lovely for me. I, I loved it. And then I upgraded and did a little bit deeper work when my anxiety hit. And I actually had a really hard time doing practices that had initially come very easily for me. Um, so it was very interesting for me to look at that. Um, I, so I see mindfulness a lot. Um, talk therapy is another really big one and I'm trained as a therapist. So I, I, you know, I think there's definitely a time and a place for a therapy and I do use therapeutic techniques with people, but it doesn't always get to the full root causes of what's going on. And then the other really big one, and this is a avenue I personally didn't take, but I know it's very commonly recommended is medication, right? So we get kind of medication, yoga, talk therapy, and meditation. Those are the common kind of approaches, the more quote unquote traditional approaches I hear a lot of women going through, and I've gone through um, part of them myself when it comes to healing. And for you, what have you found to be the hidden causes of anxiety? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hidden causes to anxiety. So, you know, when people think about anxiety instantly, they think about like, I need to go talk to a therapist. It's all in my mind, but I love focusing on the physical causes of anxiety, which not a lot of people think about. It's not on people's radars. You're not going to go to your, you know, MD, your medical doctor, your primary care provider, and they're not necessarily going to explore these issues. What likely is going to happen is they're going to run a whole bunch of testing and they're going to say, you know, you know, your blood work is normal. Um, we ran, you know, a Holter monitor on you. Everything is fine. So there's nothing to worry about. Right. Um, but what I look at is more imbalances physically that's going on. And there can be, you know, a lot of different categories to what I see around physical imbalances. And the first and kind of easiest one to go after is actually diet. So a lot of people, you know, they're eating, they think they're eating healthy. So I get this a lot, you know, oh, I'm eating healthy. I eat vegetables. I don't drink a lot of soda. So we're good. We're good on the diet front. Um, but when we're talking about diet, I'm talking about inflammatory foods. So like, you know, are you eating breads? Do you eat pasta? Um, do you have a muffin every now and then? Because the gluten in those ingredients for a lot of women are actually what's triggering a nervous system response that causes anxiety. Um, sugar is another really big one, right? Um, we're feeding parasites. We're causing blood sugar imbalances. So if you're eating sugar, in your diet. And it doesn't need to be like sitting there binging on like sugary candy. It can just be, you know, if you're having sugars and everything. And so if you're not watching what you're eating and you're eating gluten and dairy and sugar, then that's going to send your entire system into an inflammatory state. And that's going to lead to anxiety. So like right away, that's a, like a big, easy hidden cause that people don't think about. You know, I love that you tied in imbalances uh, into what we're eating, because a lot of times we do think of imbalances just in terms of work life balance mm -hmm. or, um, you know, physical balance. One leg is shorter than the other. But there's also a dietary balance of maybe on the flip side, we are eating, quote unquote, healthy foods, anti-inflammatory foods, but maybe we're consuming too much. I I've been guilty of consuming way too much uh, spinach and, 
you know, too many oranges, you know, so we had people who, you know, myself included, who like, when I find out a food is healthy, I overconsume it. And so then I create uh, another imbalance where I got too much vitamin C or too much vitamin D circulating through my blood system. Have you found that? Not necessarily in that way, but in a way that you probably wouldn't think about. So, you know, a lot of people will go on like more of a paleo style diet and then they're like, this is supposed to make me feel better and I actually feel worse. And so this happens when there's um, an issue called a histamine issue. And, And a lot of people don't even have this on their radar, but histamine is a response in the body that we get. A lot of times it's causes allergies. So seasonal allergies is a histamine based response. It can cause gut issues. It can cause heart palpitations. And it's typically there because of an estrogen detox issue. But for most people, it's there because they're living in mold um, and it's causing gut issues. And so women and men that are, you know, trying to eat healthy are often eating foods that are high in histamines and it's creating Uh, more of an anxiety response. And this is actually what was happening to me. So, you know, all the nuts I was eating, all the smoothies I was having in the morning, I was literally drinking a histamine cocktail. I had no idea. I was like, oh, this is a detox reaction. I just need to push through it. But I was actually making the situation worse because, you know, I think of it like a cup. So, you know, histamines, um, are supposed to be there in manageable amounts, but if someone's histamine cup is full and overflowing and they eat histamine foods, then all of a sudden, all of those symptoms that I'm talking about become more pronounced and people don't realize it. They're like, well, I don't know. I just get these waves of random anxiety from nowhere. Right. So talk to me because we have one, two. We have two neutral bullets in the Vitamix. And I like, I think most of the, the country in the world, you know, we, we all fall in victim to the uh, neutral bullet commercials and all the things we can put in that tiny little blender and get all our, our nutrients for the week and day. What are the histamine foods that people are putting in their smoothie? I love that you call it a histamine cocktail. What, what, what's a histamine <laughs> cocktail? Break it down for me. Okay. I will share with you my histamine cocktail that led me running to the washroom every morning thinking I was having a great detox reaction. Um, so berries, blueberries, uh, strawberries, spinach is high in histamine. Um, nut butters are high in histamine. So if you're putting in, you know, almond butter in your smoothie in the morning, uh, even avocado is high in histamine, right? So when you think about, I know a common smoothie for a lot of people is, you know, the berry smoothie where you're adding in the nut butters and you're putting in avocado for a nice fat. And so that's literally a histamine cocktail. Fermented foods is another one. So like the kombucha that you're eating, the probiotics, uh, there's only one brand of probiotics that's not high in histamine. So, you know, all of those things that are supposed to quote unquote, make you feel better. If you have a histamine issue, you're going to feel worse and probably not connect the dots. Oh my God. You, 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 you know what? I could see somebody just throwing their hands up in the air right now <laughs> because, you know, I've had other dietitians and nutritionists on here and people talk and, you know, and one person says have spinach. Another person's like, eat your nut butters. And then you're like, coming through with the sledgehammer, like no berries, no spinach, no nut butters. 
the avocado. So are you saying don't have this at all? Or are you saying it just might be the quantity that we are ingesting this stuff? Okay. Really good question. So for most people, those things are really, really healthy things to eat. So those nutritionists and guests that you've had on are speaking completely accurately. When it becomes a problem is when someone's histamine level in their body gets too high. So it can be for a variety of reasons. If you're living in molds, for example, that's going to trigger a histamine response. If your gut is a hot mess, that's going to trigger an a histamine response. And these are responses that are, you know, they're ongoing. And for a lot of women, the histamine response gets worse right before they bleed. So right before your menstruation, when you're already feeling woo woo PMS all over the place, the histamine response naturally gets higher. And so it just kind of heightens all of those PMS symptoms. So if you're somebody whose body can't detox histamine or your histamine cup is kind of chronically full, then these foods are going to make things worse. If you're somebody who doesn't have a histamine issue, then you're, you'll be able to eat these foods and you'll feel great. So it re- there's kind of two camps of people. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it definitely is not, nothing's a one size fit all because as no. you mentioned earlier, uh, mindfulness practice works for, for some people, uh, talk therapy works for some people. Um, and then for others, it is, it, it could be too stimulating or, uh, it, it, you know, whatever, or too dysregulating. Um, the, now let me ask you about bananas and I'm, I'm bringing this up for my own selfish reasons because, uh, I just found out I'm 45 and I was just diagnosed with asthma. I had an asthma attack mm. in January. And so my, my listeners are probably tired of hearing me asking people about my asthma. But once again, <laughs> there's so much out there. And I actually was taking, I was prescribed a pill for my asthma that was causing depression and suicidal ideation. Um, so I recently read that bananas are no bueno for asthma. Is that hmm. because of the histamines? Do you it know? could be. Um, bananas can be high in histamines. So it is something that you can be cautious of. Again, it's like a cup, right? So one banana is probably not going to do it for you unless your cup is like overflowing. But if you're eating, if you have a histamine issue, bananas is one of those foods. So what I typically tell people to do is go and eat a bunch of high histamine foods and see what happens do your symptoms get worse? Like, do you start to feel crazy? Does your asthma get worse when you eat, drink kombucha and have some bone broth? Bone broth is another big one. Um, if you eat those things and you feel worse, then you can start to tie it, do it a couple of times, right? So like take a break for a couple of days and then introduce it again. And if you're starting to see those responses, then you can start to piece it together that that's what's causing your symptoms. It's a, it's a it's histamine based issue. And that clues you in to dive deeper. Are you living in mold, right? Um, do you have mast cell issues going on? What's causing this histamine to be in high levels? Cause we're not born that way. It's a response to something else that's triggering it. Right. Uh, you know, we live in an area that's still building itself and there's a lot of construction happening in the area. Um, and I, I don't know if that contributes to histamine levels. Cause I, I I'm assuming that when we are talking about histamine, we're talking about more food and plants, but mm-hmm. uh, are construction areas, I think, cause I would assume like mold could be, be kink, being kicked up 
as they're tearing down things around us? Yeah, that's more for somebody who might have like mast cell activation syndrome. So, uh, and let me just explain what that is, because that's another thing that's very much overlooked. It's very difficult to get a proper diagnosis. It is medical, but a lot of doctors don't know about it and they don't test it. And so this is where your mast cells, they get, I just like to explain it as they get really excited and they start to dump their contents at all times. And so Um, mast cells are part of the immune system. They're a natural part of the immune system and they're designed to keep the body safe. But when they get really overactive, then they start dumping their contents at all times. And inside of mast cells are histamines. So if you have a condition that your mast cells are going off all the time, then going into an environment that's moldy or that has toxins in the air from construction, that's going to trigger your mast cells because it'll see that as, you know, foreign invaders in the body and then be like, oh my gosh, we need to keep her or him safe and then dump their contents, which causes the histamine cup to fill up, which then causes like a huge anxiety response or you know, lots of other symptoms. There's massive amounts of symptoms associated with histamines. So are you saying mast cells like M-A-S-S-C-E-L-L? M-A-S-T, mast cells. And it's um, M-C-A-S, mast cell activation syndrome is when you are looking it up, that's how you would look that up. Um, And then, you know, also want to highlight I really appreciate you talking about when your cup is overfull with uh, the histamines because uh, it goes back to, I, I don't want listeners to get a feeling like it's an all or nothing proposition. It's really about knowing how big your cup is for histamines, for mast cells, for, you know, being with family. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we got the holidays coming up. So we, we all have different cups. My uh, Somebody else used the analogy of like parking spaces. I only have so many parking spaces mm-hmm. for work, for family, for working out, you know, all these different things. So that, but that's more of us being in tune with ourselves and, and being quiet long enough to, to be aware of that. Uh, when we talked about the hidden causes uh, for anxiety, you, you talked about imbalances and we talked about uh, the foods we're eating, inflammatory foods. Uh, you know, looking at gluten, looking at sugar. And then we also talked about histamines. Um, is there anything else that we um, have not discussed in terms of hidden causes of anxiety? Yeah, um, copper toxicity. And, you know, when I say that, a lot of people are like, well, I don't work in a factory. Pretty sure I'm good there. And that's not actually the case because most women that I test are actually copper toxic. And it comes from, so copper, first of all, it's, it's an important mineral in the body. You need copper to function. It's opposite of zinc. So we like to see a really nice, healthy copper zinc balance, right? Um, but for a lot of women, copper becomes really, really high. And the interesting thing about copper is that it actually, it's stored in the brain, it's stored in the liver and it causes anxiety. It causes a lot of PMS-based symptoms. It can cause racing thoughts. It activates your adrenal glands and you know causes all of this panic when it's in high levels. 
And so there's a couple of main reasons why we see copper high. So the first is actually, if you've been on any form of birth control, so this is for the women listening, any form of birth control for two years or more, because what happens, whether it's an IUD, even if it's not a copper IUD, if it's any sort of hormonal birth control, it's going to lead to artificial estrogen dominance in the body. And so this is when your estrogen is higher than your progesterone. Okay. And so when that happens, estrogen gets stored in the tissues and sorry, copper gets stored in the tissue. So anytime estrogen is higher than progesterone, your body just naturally stores copper. So I want you to think about, you know, I talked to women who've been on the pill for 20 years, right? So that's 20 years of their body storing copper. So you don't notice it right away, but then like four years in five years in six years in, you start to feel a little anxious and you're like, why do I feel anxious? Starts out kind of like a new norm. And 20 years later, you're like so anxious over every little thing. And you have no idea why it's because your body is full of copper. Now, the interesting piece is it's not going to show up on your blood chemistry. You're not going to, you know, it's going to be stored deep within the tissue. So your body tries to keep the copper levels as calm and in your blood chemistry in general, they want to keep it as stable as possible. And they do that at the cost of what's going on at a cellular level. So when I run a hair test on people, I see either I see copper show up right away on the hair test, but what I typically see is very depleted calming minerals. So we see, you know, low potassium, I see low magnesium, and this is because the copper has caused so much stress in the body that they burned through their calming minerals. So, you know, birth control is one way. Another way is pregnancy. So I talk to a lot of women who have postpartum anxiety and yes, hormones are a part of this. And that's a whole other story, but copper also is a part because copper naturally increases for women during pregnancy. And the idea is it's supposed to decrease once you're done being pregnant, but for some women, they can't detox copper. So each successive pregnancy, they have the copper just continues to accumulate in the body. And so they end up being copper toxic. I also see it with a condition called pyral disorder, and this causes for a variety of factors, it just causes zinc to dump out of the body. And then we see high levels of copper instead. And so, you know, those are the main reasons I see copper toxicity. And uh, when I first ran a hair test on myself and for several months afterwards, like several tests, I should say it was a couple of years for me, my copper was actually three times higher than the test would measure. <laughs> so it was like off the charts and then some, right? So I can really speak to how painful. And, and I say that because it, anxiety is almost a painful level of anxious. It can be when you have copper toxicity and, you know, some of those looping thoughts on things that don't make any sense, like, you know, people that are worried about death and there's no risk of death or like think that something in their food is going to contaminate them. And they're like, logically, I know this is not going to happen. And yet they can't stop thinking about it. Those kinds of things where your doctor's like, you know, you just need to go on medication because there's nothing we can do here. That is sometimes a copper issue. Wow. So you brought up something, you talked about magnesium and potassium as being calming, uh, minerals. Mm -hmm. Uh, tell me more about that. Are you saying that women should be taking magnesium and potassium, uh, in a supplement form or 
uh, are there foods that we can get that from? Yeah, I like to do um, foods. Uh, you know, I have magnesium or sorry, potassium recipes for people. Um, a good easy one uh, is uh, coconut milk, not coconut milk, coconut water has about 15 to 20% of your day's required potassium. Um, so that's a really good one. Mbeshi plums, super weird, but also really high in potassium or like good electrolyte drinks like Vega, uh, 40,000 volts, um, by trace elements or trace minerals is a really good one as well. But it's really important about they estimate about 90 to 99% of women are potassium deficient in this era. I think we're just so stressed that we can't, you know, keep up with potassium stores. And we also know that, um, our foods are becoming more and more depleted of minerals because of, you know, the growing conditions. And so I heard somewhere that a carrot that we ate in the year 2000, we'd now have to eat four of those carrots to get the same amount of nutrients today, which is pretty crazy. Right. So, um, yeah, eating foods that are high in magnesium and potassium are important, but often it's supplementing for it, at least to get things back on track. I'm cautious with broadbanding, like everyone should take it because I, I really think there's a value in testing. Um, and hair testing is what I tend to use. For that, but it is um, definitely if you're experiencing anxiety, chances are you're low in both. Okay, so I just realized my listeners have to be pulling their hair out. Like, all right, if you, if there's an anti, if there's a, a histamine cocktail, what's the anti-histamine cocktail? Because people aren't going to throw out their NutriBullet. So if, if I'm making a, a a smoothie, what what am I putting in there? Yeah, low. It's hard to make a smoothie. It's hard to make a smoothie. It's it breakfasts are difficult if you're low histamine. And the solution is to eat low histamine foods until you figure out why you have high histamines. Right. So it's not, it's getting to the root of why your histamines are are high in the first place. So if it's mold, it's detoxing the mold, for example. Um, and getting that out of your system. So then the histamine issue goes away. So then you can just eat normal foods again. That makes sense because I lived in a place that it was high in mold and I was getting sick all the time. And then as soon as I moved, all my, my headaches and my runny eyes, uh, gutted, you know, everything, just not everything, but a, a lot of symptoms uh, went away on their own. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, checking your place for mold is, is big, especially in a lot of places where it rains. Yeah. And people don't realize that, right? Like I lived in a moldy apartment for years. I just thought it was haunted. I was like, let's, let's move my bed around here. There's bad feng shui. This is why I'm not sleeping. And it had nothing to do with it being haunted. Uh, there was mold behind the wall. I, I learned later water was leaking from the apartment above me to the apartment below me. I didn't see any of it. Uh, I couldn't smell it. You know, it was, it was, it was haunted, but by mold really. <laughs> I know these tiny spores that get in our body and wreak havoc. I, I mean, really, yeah. that's that's what every alien predator movie is about. Um, yeah. Some, some tiny thing laying their eggs. And then so in terms of hidden causes, we talked about imbalances. Uh, we talked about histamines. Uh, we talked about copper toxicity. Are there any other hidden causes to anxiety that people aren't aware of? 
Um, those I would say are the big ones, right? Um, those are the really big ones. Parasites is another one and Lyme. Um, that's another one as well. The Lyme is a bit of a rabbit hole to go down. I feel like the medical community and even the functional medicine community, we really don't have a good handle on, on that one. We don't have great testing on it. We can't test cow infections. And these are infections that come along with the Lyme. So that when you've kind of ruled out all the lower hanging fruit and you're still like, I don't feel good. That's when you go and do a Lyme test. Um, and parasites, you know, I had a, a giant worm living inside of me. You can't tell me that, you know, a six inch worm isn't causing me anxiety. <laughs> Pretty sure it is. Pretty sure. So, you know, parasites are one that we often overlook. Everyone assumes, you know, if you're living in, you know, a fairly clean environment and, you know, you're not going through some tropical country that you don't have a parasite issue. And that's a really big mistake because, you know, you think about it, we do parasite cleanses with our animals. We did parasite cleanses a hundred years ago, and then magically they don't exist in the human body anymore. Um, so a lot of times parasites are a contributor to how you're feeling. What's a parasite? What, what would a parasite cleanse look like uh, for humans? Yeah, it's herbs um, that you take that clear them out, um, sometimes over-the-counter or prescription medication, depending on who you're going to. Um, and with herbs, it's usually about 60 days of herbal protocols that will just clear out the parasites. So you don't have to go on, you know, strong medications to get to get well. All right. So I keep rehashing because I want the listeners to get this. When we talk yeah. about hidden causes. We're talking about imbalances that could come from your diet and eating inflammatory foods like gluten and sugar. Uh, maybe there are too many histamines in your cup uh, causing, you know, some gut issues, some allergic reactions, some, uh, you know, and, and also mold and nuts. There's also copper toxicity, which could be a hidden cause of anxiety, Lyme disease, and also parasites. And this is big because there's such a huge link between anxiety and suicidality and, and that's why I'm really drilling down on, you know, what are the his, hidden causes of anxiety? Because if we can reduce anxiety, we can reduce suicidality. It, you know, in my head, suicidality is, is too big of a thing. It's, it's the whale, right? So what are the little pieces that we can kind of chew away and then see how big the whale is uh, when we get done? And anxiety is a, a part of that, um, that, that big whale there. So I, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think like hope is a really big piece of it. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times when you go to, I used to work in a, in a locked psychiatry ward actually as a social worker. And I saw, you know, people come in and obviously not great states. Suicidality was a big one. And I sort of watched what messages these people were given and, you know, everyone left with more hope. So that they still left with hope, but they weren't necessarily told that, you know, your diet can play a role or, you know, you don't have to be on XYZ medication for the rest of your life. Or, you know, it isn't some like healing of deep, deep, deep trauma. that's going to take you, you know, 400 years of therapy to get at, like, there's also lower hanging fruit that can shift that. And I think 
that hope is often missing in a lot of our conventional approaches. When you do seek help, you know, through a medical system, you're, you're just not given it in the same way. Um, you're not told that healing can happen um, at a physical level as well as an emotional one. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, what What I really love that you said is you, you called it lower hanging fruit to look at, you know, hope and, and what we're eating, because, yeah, to go back into your childhood, it, you know, to when you were nine and five and, and, you know, what happened to you at those moments that that takes, you know, years to unlock, to uncover, to, uh, uh, you know, for the for the healing to kind of take place and really there's so many uh, effective and impactful things we can do right now today that can uh, at least, you know, not heal us of our trauma immediately, but at least start to soothe us, calm us and relieve the anxiety issues that we are experiencing. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And what I say to a lot of people is it's much easier to do a deep dive in trauma when you're physically stable, right? Like if you're going to unpack like really emotional trauma and you're eating sugary foods and your blood sugar is all over the place and you're leaving in a moldy environment, like there's no energy left for you to unpack that. Like your body's already chaotic. So if you can get your body to a more stable place to do that deeper work, then you're going to move a lot faster through that work, or it's not going to be you know, as emotionally intense when you're, you know, coming back from your sessions and spending you know, four days on the couch or whatnot, it's, it's a lot easier to do when your body is stable. Absolutely. So, uh, what then are the, you know, how do we heal anxiety holistically? Like, like you gave us three to five ways that they're hidden causes. What are, what are three to five ways we can heal our body holistically? Yeah. So let's start with the lower hanging fruit. Um, cut out the gluten. Um, this is easy and hard all at the same time because, you know, we're a society that, uh, lives off of gluten and we, we love foods as treats. And so it can be difficult to do that, but I cannot begin to tell you how many people cut that out and then literally feel better within days. And they're like, no, it was just the gluten. And I was like, yeah, it was just the gluten. Um, you know, I have a client who did like tons of work on trauma and she was undiagnosed celiac. And so as soon as she cut out the gluten, there was like her body responded. Yeah. She still needs to do the trauma work, but like you know, it's super easy to do. So that would be like, number one for me is, is cut out the gluten number two. And this is more of a, a female thing, but if you're on birth control, get off of it, find natural ways to, um, you know, do birth control. There's lots of other options out there, but get off the birth control. And, and that can be scary in itself because you've been likely been on it for so long, but, uh, another really easy, but hard thing to do. Right. Um, number three, and we sort of talked about this a little bit is, is minerals. So really making sure that you're getting those minerals. Um, and, and I talked about a couple of different ways to do that. So Googling, you know, what foods are high in potassium, what foods are high in magnesium. 
um, making sure you have electrolytes and I'm not talking about Gatorade that's full of sugar and it's crappy. I'm talking about like Vega or, you know, 40,000 volts or even coconut water is a really great option. Uh, if you're living in mold again, easy, but hard, look for another way, place to live. Um, yeah, those are some lower hanging fruit options for you right? That um, can cause a significant change, but doesn't involve emotional work. I love that. And so, you know, here we're talking about, uh, you know, getting, getting rid of, cutting out the gluten, get off the birth control, uh, you know, making sure we get enough potassium and magnesium, either from coconut water or, or Vega, uh, and, and, you know, making, checking for mold issues in your apartment and maybe even in your workspace you mm -hmm. know a lot of us spend so much time at work or you know maybe some some crappy factory um i, I have listeners throughout the world um and so to to check see you know what the mold level is and maybe you need to wear a, a type of mask that can filter that out i don't know what kind of mask that would be but uh you know because i understand that quitting your job it might be uh, a challenge for you so uh, but to find a way to address it or to detox it. And uh, we also talked about uh, doing a parasite cleanse. So these are very practical ways. Don't feel like you have to do this all today. It's all <laughs> yes. right now, right? Baby steps. It, it, you know, it, it took you years, if not decades, to get to this place. And it, it could take that amount of time to, to undo it. But go at your own pace because what we don't want you to do is to try everything all at once then burn out and then you know throw your hands up in the air and then no change is made right so start off where it feels comfortable for you uh jody in terms of uh managing anxiety you know we talked a lot about food and environment are there other things that you do, like journal, exercise, read, meditate, any of that stuff that you incorporate in terms of managing your anxiety? Yeah, I do do a little bit of cognitive behavior therapy. Um, in my programs, I do um, limbic system work, actually, which we didn't really get to today. Um, so the limbic system is the part of the brain that will trigger the fight or flight response in the body. And when that becomes hypersensitive, you get stuck in a fight or flight loop. And so there are kind of more of like, it's almost like a meditation, but it's very specific that will help to calm the limbic system down. Um, gratitude journal is another really big one. Um, exercise I'm super cautious of because I think it's important, but I think it depends what your body's ready for. So, you know, the, the people that go out and they are like, yeah, I have to exercise to run like half an hour every day. And their, their adrenals are shot. Their body can't tolerate it. That's actually making the problem worse. So for a chunk of people that I work with, their adrenals just can't handle, you know, cardio exercise. So it looks different for them. Um, but it's important for sure. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting because, um, I've noticed that when I do higher interval trainings, like hit workouts, it, it mm -hmm. actually boosts up my carb cravings. Um, and it, it doesn't relax me. It makes me a bit more jittery. And yeah. so like walking, hiking, yoga, swimming, 
those are the things that um, I, I need to do. Um, boxing and uh, other, like, I can do those, but once again, it goes back to my cup, right? I can do those maybe once a week or every couple of weeks or uh, sporadically, but my Monday through Friday has to be more soothing, calming, uh, restorative type of, of movement patterns versus the, you know, the high intensity type of workouts. They, they just don't do well for me. But can you speak more to the uh, people's adrenals are shot? Is that because, you know, like we're in a high stress environment? And they were all drinking caffeine. And then we're going to like, we're everything we're doing is just boosting our heart rate and never letting it rest. Is that what you're, 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 you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, it's, it's a dance between external and internal stressors. Right. So, I mean, 2020, pretty much everyone was stressed. So it's fair to say that did a number on everyone's adrenals, right? Um, external stress, really, really obvious, you know, fighting with your spouse all the time, um, you know, stressful work environment, financial stresses. Those are all external stresses that are going to wear your adrenals down. But then we also get internal stresses, which are the, what we just talked about. You know, if you have copper toxicity, that's drawing out or like act overactivating your adrenals, you're going to get issues there. If you have molds, like all of those things are also going to, um, you know, tire the adrenals. And so what we tend to see is initially you'll get this amazing burst of energy and that can last for years where you're like, Oh yeah, I can do anything. I'm like Superman, you know, I've got it. And then over time, the adrenals tire and they can't continue to produce, you know, high levels of cortisol. And so you end up not being able to produce very much at all. And so then tasks like, you know, uh, cardio, like you're explaining your body can't do. So I think of it like a battery, you know, when you go to bed, you charge your battery. Um, if you have poor adrenals, like 20%. And so, you know, by, by mid morning, you're done if you don't have healthy adrenals. Right. Um, but for people whose adrenals are just kind of getting going, they overcharge their batteries. So you charge your batteries like 120% at night. So you're like, oh yeah, I'm great. I got lots of energy the next day. But then if you do that for years, you're going to crash and end up completely exhausted. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, it, I think that, um, what I, I really, cause even I'm, I'm realizing this is that, um, what we what we've done in our you know teenage years twenties thirties the go 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 it catches up to us in our forties and then we kind of hit this wall where like you said our mm -hmm. adrenals get depleted our cup is empty and what we don't realize is is because of what we've been doing for the prior decades we think it's something we did yesterday or last night or you know we go well I I, I worked out yesterday and I ate well I don't understand why I hit a wall today. When really your body is, it's an accumulative effect of all the things that we've been doing up to this moment. And now our body is just like, the, the engine's just falling out. And, uh, but, but thanks to you, if we, you know, get a grip on those smoothies and not smoothies, but uh, the anti-inflammatory foods and get rid of the mold and maybe do a little parasite cleanse, we can get, we can get back to it. So, you know, part of what you shared in terms of, healing anxiety holistically was get rid of the gluten and uh 
get rid of the gluten out your diet, get off birth control, uh, increase your potassium and magnesium. Uh, you know, you can use that through Vega or coconut water or 40,000 volts. Uh, get out of a moldy area, whether that's home or work, and uh, address your limbic system with uh, some meditation, right? A little cognitive behavioral therapy, get into those thoughts that uh, might be, uh, you know, self-defeatist. Uh, gratitude journaling, I do that on a daily basis. I tell you what, I used to do it in the morning, um, and but I find that doing it at night is more soothing. So what, what I emphasize that because I also am learning that is not just what we do, but when we do it that determines how effective it is, right? So for some people, meditating in the morning works. Some, for some people, maybe before bed, that might be more effective. It's just about figuring out your order of operations. And then as we mentioned, exercise, right? But for some people, you might need more soothing exercise and other people can do you know, boxing and CrossFit and all those type of uh, high intensity uh, type of, of workouts. Uh, Jody, Eleanor, is there anything that we left off the table here? I think we've covered a good chunk of it. Um, and, and that's really kind of my mission, right. Is to help people realize that there's way more to the iceberg than you ever thought about. I love it. What, what are you looking forward to Jody, Eleanor? What am I looking forward to? That is a great question. I am looking forward to continuing to help women understand. I love the ahas, right? I love when women are like, that's what I do. What I, why I do what I do is to get women to this place where they're like, I can live my life in a much better way um, now. And I had no idea before. That's what I look forward to. I love that. it. And then plug all your things. How can people reach out to you, connect with you, work with you? Yeah. So uh, there is a really great guide. Uh, it gives you some easy steps, some of which we talked about today, the lower hanging fruit to heal your anxiety and begin to reduce it in seven days. So you can find that at go.healingjourneyservices.com slash five ways dash one. Um, so that is a great way to start the connection with me. I also have a Facebook group, Healing Anxiety Holistically for Women. That's another great option. Or you can visit my website, www.healingjourneyservices.com. And then last question. And I ask this of all my guests, because I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Jody? Know that there's hope. I love it. Thank you so much, Jody. Thank you so much, the listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or the other phone numbers that are listed in the show notes. Because I know I have listeners out there in Canada, the UK, France, the Philippines, Australia, and of course, America. So there are international phone numbers. You can talk, you can chat, you can text. If you need financial assistance with your mental health, there are organizations also listed in the show notes that can help you out with that. There's also the Trevor Project for LGBTQ, uh, for the LGBTQ community. Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Jody Eleanor.
You are welcome. Thank you for having me.